and welcome back, spooky people. I am glad that you are joining us on today's episode of That Spooky Life. I have something very special for you guys today. While I tend to think that every day and every episode is special in its own way, we are having friends giving today. Yay! Later in the episode, I will be joined by dear friends Aiden and Becky, who have submitted stories to the podcast before and have been a wonderful source of encouragement over this last year and all of the trials and tribulations that both life and the podcast have had. So I wanted to celebrate a different kind of family, which is chosen family, adopted family, friends family, so Friendsgiving it is. Today, I'm going to celebrate another dear friend and supporter of the podcast by sharing a story of my own. It was a very interesting experience and actually one of my first official house blessings that wasn't my house. Today, I am going to share the story of a time not so terribly long ago that I and Spooky Squad member Meg went and performed a house blessing at Diana's house. So... She had been experiencing some knocks, things misplaced, things knocked off, kids getting spooked, kids not wanting to sleep in their own rooms, general something spooky is going on. And typically, as you guys well know, Diana is also a member of the Spooky Squad and is quite adroit at doing her own house blessings. But for some reason, nothing that she managed to do would get rid of whatever was causing mischief in her house. Now, this was all during the same time as the dumpster demon happenings that involved myself, Diana, and Astrid. So we were all really tired. We were all staying up late, chatting about things, trying to figure stuff out. There were some personal stresses, both, you know, for me and for Astrid and for Diana. Life is as it does. So... She has sort of a specialty and has kicked the tail of many a demon to the curb, as it were. But for some reason, this thing just kept slipping through her fingers and it was frustrating her. So she asked if I would come over and I, of course, said yes. And this was also the time that there was some strange manifestation of a past life incarnation of Diana's trying to give her information. So she was also terribly distracted. However, the entity that I was interested in at the time was not the demon, nor was it that odd, like, soul shard of a previous life. We get there, and oddly enough, my battery dies. Like, I couldn't get my car to crank up, so we had to sit there and jump it off and clean off the cables, and it was just a little odd energetic occurrence. I hadn't had issues to that point. Come to later find out it was a battery issue, but why it was... At that moment that it decided to die, I'm not sure, because this was before lockdowns and things like that. I was still driving to work every day, and it just seemed energetically odd that the minute that I arrived at Diana's house, my car decided to die. My battery just gave up the ghost, as it were. So we chatted for a little while. I cleared myself and centered and made sure that I was in the headspace. And the minute I walk in the house, I have a couple of different pings. Something very fast moving and that didn't want to be seen moved all the way to one end of the house, while there was another thing that was basically sitting in the area of the living room, moving so that it was just out of my peripheral and not letting me see it. And then upon a little deeper investigation, there was something beneath the house. So I decided to start on the end of the house, away from the fast moving thing that darted in and around. 
And really what I ended up finding was what I believe was the strange prior life manifestation of Diana's own mind, soul, spirit, soul shard, something. That's a long story that she is in the progress of telling and you guys should stay tuned because I happen to know she's writing part three here very soon. It was obfuscating itself from me so that I could not glean any information from it. It was aware that I was aware. It knew who I was and it did not want me to know anything about it. And since it wasn't really causing any problems at the time, and that was obviously something for Diana herself to deal with, I was like, all right, be shady. I'm not here for you. And then under the house, there was this very large, very slow moving, natural, I would even say earth spirit. It was, it was like recycling almost. It was feeding off of the negative energy going in and around the neighborhood in which Diana lived. And it was currently under her house. But like those moments when you ground energy out into the soil beneath your bare toes and the process and concept of what transmutes it within the earth itself and returns it to the world as neutral energy. This snake felt like that, like it was a manifestation of that concept. And it was hoge, like doge hoge, hoge snake. But it wasn't malicious, and there were some very negative things going on in and around both the area and the personal lives involved, so it was kind of like eating the drippings, as it were. It wasn't inspiring these things, it wasn't invoking them, it wasn't exacerbating them, even. It was literally just eating them. So it wasn't doing any harm, and it was actually kind of helping, so we didn't do anything about that. But as I made my way through the rest of the house, I found my culprit. The real cause, the thing that had been slipping through Diana's fingers, was something being sneaky spooky. Was hiding around corners, harassing, you know, one if not both of the kiddos, waiting to spook someone in a dark room or create a sense of, like, unnecessary unease. You know, the spiders up your back, that creepy dread of being watched from behind. Maybe a pencil knocked off the desk. Like, Sprite, Pisky, Brownie, Puck. Something along those lines. Though it was mostly human-sized, it wasn't like the little sprightly fairy-sized or anything like that. Those are all the words that came to mind. It was very much a mischief-maker. And a very fey flavor or nature spirit type deal. It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't anything that had ever been alive in the sort of like meat suit sense. And it was reveling in the idea that Diana was having such trouble getting a leash on it to evict it. And then I come in and I showed up and I brought my friend, the druid adjacent wolf lady, And to its credit, it tried to, like, peek its head around and be spooky. And I remember almost in unison, Meg and I turned and looked at it. And it realized it. And it moved away with a tangible balls. It wasn't audible. There wasn't a voice or anything like that. But, like, there was the sense of it paused, went, oh, shit, and then darted. But it was still brazen enough that it didn't dart out of the house. 
it just darted away to hide. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not entirely sure if it wasn't trying to see if we could find it. But once we had done sort of our walkthrough, we stepped back outside and we chatted about the things that we sensed. This is how we learned of the snake below the house. Also felt the presence of the odd past life manifestation. Couldn't glean anything. And I could tell that the mischief maker was hiding at the far end where the kiddos had been asked to stay while we did this house blessing. We pow out outside about sensory stuff. Meg and I compared our notes and they were shockingly similar. Even we, we both have different sort of lexicons and filters that we view things through. But the vibe and the idea and what the number of things that we were sensing, in fact, were all the same. Like shockingly similar, despite the difference of filters. After that, uh, we set about with some sage at first and also my house blessing spray, which I put a bunch of jazz into to make sure that it sticks. And we're clearing things out energetically as well, which is very important. It's not just the, the tangible things. It's not just the sage smoke or the house blessing spray, but you have to put the intent into it. And I, being a, a psychic vampire, can very much manipulate and pay attention to clearing up any of the stagnant energy in there, and I did my best to get as much as possible so that all of the old things could be put out to the earth. And I gave it all to the snake below the house, actually, because that was his job, and he was very happy. So all the negative stagnant energy that collects in the corners and, you know, when there's not a through press or of, of people on a regular basis, closets, stuff like that, you can get the buildup and the stagnation of energy. And that's just as important to clear out as sage or you know the the house blessing spray but we used all three because i was being very thorough and we started again at the far end of the house and moved towards the end where the mischief maker thought it was safe in that final room and it sort of did like the mary chase thing back and forth between a couple of rooms for a minute until we had done all of the blessing stuff i had blessed and warded all of the windows and this was really its last, its last ditch effort and was hiding in the room with the kiddos. And so when I peeked my head in, I said hi to the littles and answered a few very simple questions without going too in depth with what we were doing. I certainly wasn't going to let them know that there was some sort of unseen thing in the room with them. And I noticed that behind them, the thing was sitting in the windowsill. Like when you're playing hide and seek as a kid and you're trying to press yourself into the corner to not be noticed, even though there is literally no way that that corner can actually give you enough cover to hide. But you've run out of hiding places, so you gotta do your best. It's kind of what it felt like. The vibe I was seeing with this thing at the time. But it was doing this all without like actually being outside the window or leaving the house. So I was sitting there trying to push it out. I was trying to see what it was, but also trying not to give away to the children's what I was doing and then finally it was trying to get away and I just hauled off and sprayed it in the face with my house blessing spray which to them just looked like I was spraying their curtains with some nice smelling you know liquid like Febreze or something so you know and it darted slash fell backwards out of the window to get away in like that knee-jerk reaction and immediately I did my little blessing ward on the window and it couldn't get back in it cussed and darted off to God knows where because it was one of those moments that it was, I think would be a really funny comic strip because to me, I would draw it as spritz, ah, 
fall. Crap. That would basically be what this little spirit did. It really didn't, honestly, at the end of the day, seem terribly harmful. You know, mischief is a part of life. But with all the things that were going on at the time, it was unwelcome. And it hadn't taken no for an answer and was thriving in making miserable mischief because it was fairly consistently. If it was something that wasn't misplaced, it was an upset kid or it was that that unease feeling. And I was not the first line of defense. There had been conversations. There had been requests. There had been orders. There had been a little bit of a blessing here and there. And it just wasn't listening to Diana at all for some reason. I'm not one to just evict things because they exist. But if you can't, uh, if you can't play by the rules of this is my house, my rules, you may stay as long as you're not a problem. And if you're a problem, you will leave either politely or I will make you. And when you have managed to get a little bit of a hook in enough that for some reason you can sort of skirt around that. You best believe I'm calling in the cavalry. And though Diana has moved houses since then, while still in that house, she did not have any problems with the again after that. There were other things that occurred, other things which she has told me she is happy to share on the podcast and I look forward to sharing with you guys. But that little spirit was was not seen again to my knowledge. And that is my spooky story for the week. Have you ever wondered what more there might be to the day you were born? What information might be gleaned from observing the dance of the stars or the discipline of divination? Sure, not everyone believes in astrology or divination, And there are as many or more charlatans out there as legitimate, educated practitioners. But if you've ever been curious about a legitimate practitioner, Six Silver Seals is creating astrology forecasts, tarot and rune readings, and more on Patreon. Created and run by Adam, his about says it all. Six Silver Seals is his means of bringing the light of truth to as many people as he can. He offers numerous different styles of readings and divinations, including tarot, astrology, and the runes of the Elder Fothark, as his torch to help guide those who seek a little extra help finding their way. Personally, I met Adam on Discord, and I have been uh, on the receiving end of his readings, and I can personally attest to his knowledge and experience with the subtle reality and divination and would recommend Six Silver Seals to anyone interested in shedding maybe that extra little light on their journey. Find Adam and Six Double S at www.patreon.com forward slash Six Silver Seals spelled S-I-X-S-I-L-V-E-R-S-E-A-L-S. And don't forget to tell him that you were sent from the spooky side. And that brings us to our listener story today, which I am super excited to share with you guys. As you can tell from the title of the episode, we are celebrating Friendsgiving. And even though Thanksgiving was yesterday, I wanted to do something special for the holiday. And so I decided to invite my friend family and to have them share a spooky story. So please give a warm welcome to Aiden and Becky. Hey guys. Hey, what's up? 
you guys, uh, spooky listeners, may recognize Becky from some stories that she has submitted before, if you're familiar with The White Lady. And they are going to tell us a terrifying and dark experience about something completely unrelated. And at this point, I am going to turn it over to Aiden and Becky, and I'm going to shut up and let them tell you guys a spooky story. Okay, well, here we go. We're going to tell you the story about Old Bluff Church. While the dates may vary with each story on the internet or with each person who lives in the area that may tell it, it's something that's evident in the folklore and the spooky stories that exist within the area. It's no different with this one as it is with many of the others, but it is said that one of the earliest ministers of the church actually killed his entire congregation one faithful Sunday morning. Old Bluff Church is located in the Sandhills of North Carolina. Yeah, it's in Avisboro Battleground, which is like where I, around where I grew up and stuff. So basically, this church sits on land, and right beside it is a huge field where there was a battle, and there's an all dilapidated-looking stone wall and stuff. And while, you know, it's not actually creepy when you see it in the daylight, it's actually a very pretty, very tranquil place. As soon as you walk onto the property, you have to travel through the cemetery in order to get to the church because the church that stands now is not the original church. The original church actually sat in the battleground area. So it said that Reverend John McLeod, who came from the Isle of Skye in Scotland around 1870, was one of the second pastors to Old Bluff Church. The Old Bluff Church is an absolutely gorgeous white wooden frame church, but all the windows are blacked out. They have the windows painted. They do have the windows painted. And they still have church once a month there. Yeah, once a month they do have a service there, but you have to be a member of the church in order to go. So, you know, we go down there. We don't think anything about it. I mean, I love cemeteries. Anyway, getting out of the car, we walk the short path through the cemetery. But each step you get into this darker and darker place, you can feel it building. Directly across from the door is a historical cairn that they built in 1955. For no apparent reason. Now, the reason that they say is because of this this mass murder. Um, when we were there, um, I'll let Aiden pick up and tell you what his experiences were. Okay, when I went there, it was really weird. It was really dark feeling. Like, during the day, you know how sometimes you walk places, you feel like you're being... Well, not during the day, but sometimes you, you know how when you can walk somewhere and you feel like you're being watched... It was that kind of feeling. And so me and Becky went around and we started just touching the church. So first of all, there's actually something that I want to say before I I tell this part. There's actually a groundskeeper that lives beside the church in a house and they do watch to the church. And they have cameras at the where the steps of the church are at. When me and Becky were here walking on the grounds, not too long later after we had been there a while, a bunch of people came to the church. And we're acting like they were working in quotations. It was actually really odd. So me and Becky, we're just walking around. And so there's like a chimney on the back of the church. And I touched the bricks of that church. I literally felt just dark stuff that had taken place. It was really weird. For me, I was drawn to a different area of the church. I was drawn to that cairn. And as soon as I put my hands on the cairn, I heard children singing ring around the rosy. An old-timey school situation where you would hear the kids out playing in front of the school before a school bell rang. And I actually heard a ring, like, called into the church. And 
our son Alex was also with us and he heard the kids singing also. Now, Aiden didn't hear this. Aiden was in his own little world and, and his eyes were different. He was in a dark, dark place. I actually was in a more, I guess, lighter place because I, I heard the children singing. Um, I heard, you know, the, 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 the different sounds of like something that would be festive, not they were walking into this service to be killed. Um, I don't know why I was drawn to it, but that was where I was drawn. And I was also drawn to several older headstones. And when I would touch them, I would either feel or hear something different. My experiences, while they are creepy and they are dark, if you think about it, were not as creepy as Aiden. Aiden went into an almost trance where I had to put him on a bench and sit him down on this memorial bench and make him stop touching the church. He would not stop stop touching the church. And I don't remember any of this. Yeah, none of this does he remember. Back behind the church, you can actually walk down this very steep hill down steps that they have made out of wood, which is probably not the safest thing to do, but why not, to the Cape Fear River. And once you step off the steps, you are literally at the bank. There's like three feet of bank to the Cape Fear River. These woods are very dark, very dense. We saw a dark mass that kept following around us, like it was floating through the trees, almost like, I hate to say it, but like the Dementors in Harry Potter, it's what it looked like. It was very wispy. It was very dark. It was going through the trees. It was watching. So I took Aiden back up the steps because I didn't think he needed to be around that either. Before I could get him back to the car, he was talking like what you would imagine the preacher saying that has nothing to do with us. Um, it's, it's a very interesting place. There's some energy there that um, I'm, I can't quite put my hands on. So I don't know if the legend is real. But I do know that something happened there. I, I just don't know if it's that church because it's not that building. I think it has to do with the land around it. And when I looked up from the steps, I saw a person and it was a solid black silhouette standing and looking down. I remember that. And Becky told me that my face looked like here's Johnny in The Shining. Yeah, and your eyes were just this. And my eyes were like blackish blue or something. It was really weird. Your eyes are light blue, and you had the darkest, abyss-looking blue eyes I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was not right. And another weird thing that happened when we, were, when we were there, and this really did happen, it started raining mini frogs. Yeah, yeah, it did. Little baby frogs, and, and we didn't know where they were coming from. I, 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 it, that blew my mind. I thought, well, in my logical state, I'm like, well, you know, this can happen. We are in the south. We're right by a river. But there was no wind to have picked up those little frogs. The whole experience as you're you're walking around, and it's very small. It's a relatively very small area. It's just as you get closer to certain things, this darkness, this despair just settles. You know, you said we heard the little kids and stuff. And yeah. we were walking and we didn't even know. And we looked and we were at the children's cemetery, which was also yeah, freaky. Yeah. They kind of led us, the, the children kind of led us to the children's part of the cemetery. But none of these stones are marked. None of these places are marked. That's what's weird. 
and there is no headstone to any of the preachers there. There is just monument that lists all the preachers with the dates. You can't tell where their graves are. They don't have them marked. Yeah. I mean, this place, like, it's, like, I want to go back, but at the same time, I'm kind of hesitant because, like, with me, it it was just, it was yeah, crazy. It was. It honestly is a very, very bizarre feeling place. I've normally Harry's give me some sort of comfort. Um, they're a peaceful place. I don't see them as being a dark, angry place. This is a dark, angry place for some reason. I'm not sure if it's the legend or if it's because it's kind of a battlefield or the original church actually stood in the battlefield. I, I have no earthly idea. I do know that the original congregation started in the mid-1700s, so it could be a culmination of all of this residual war, the regulators, the civil war. It could be, but this place is not does not give me those feelings of peace and tranquility that a normal cemetery, when I think, does. This make this muddles my mind. That is bananas because i know exactly what you're talking about like cemeteries have like a sort of peace and calm and quiet to them typically so you know when one has been disturbed or had some shit happen because it feels entirely different yeah and i i don't even know because the oldest graves there either the stones are so desecrated you can't read them or they're not marked it's just like a little literally just a piece of a stone left and I don't know how long it has been a cemetery. It could have been a cemetery well before the church started. Right. And sometimes those things, because people argue about consecrated or unconsecrated or whatever, but, you know, you don't know if when the English or Scottish, as the story is, came over, if they disturbed something that's already there. Right. Because the Cape Fear is known for the native population. And I would also like to add that the place that the church is at is also very negative and dark. Yeah, the whole road. The, no, whole, road. the whole county. Well, yeah. But the road, it, in going down the road, there are huge trees. And the people down there, and, and, it, and it is a southern place, would call them hanging trees. Uh, I didn't know what that was. So I don't well, know if that energy is still there. It's a horrible part of our history. I don't know if that, that pain, that it's suffering, sad. that residual is there to go along with this, make it this just dark place. I was going to say, I'm and, sure it's not well, probably helping anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, no, it's not. And while we were going, I don't remember if this was the same night or not, but there's this big white house by the church, like not oh. far from it. When we rode by that we house, saw that we house. saw a little girl standing in the window and she disappeared. Ugh. This whole place is like creepily haunted and negative and it's just not a place that you want to be at. Yeah, it doesn't no. sound like it. That is not on my bucket list. Well, it could be, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see. I see what you say there. <laughs> you saw how I slipped that right in there. Let's see what you did I there. I, I honestly don't remember like sitting down on that bench or nothing yeah, i don't I remember to, any of that yeah i had to put you on that bench i had to make you sit down because you're walking around and you were a zombie that's all that's the only way to describe it only way 
you had no conscious thought of what was on. I don't know what was in you. Don't know. Because we're not too, we were not too far from that river, and that's why I made you sit on that bench. Was I, like, just touching the walls? I mean, what was the I... The brick. Like, the brick foundation. It was not the walls of the church. You were touching brick foundation. Like, not the chimney, but the brick? That's weird. Okay, well, I would have to pull this up. But there is about a, instead of a normal, what, two-foot foundation on that place... There's about a four-foot brick foundation. So you just had your hand on those bricks, the oldest part. You tell they were very old brick. Had your hand on that brick, and I was like, dude, no. So, like, when we got back to the car and you said I was talking. Oh, I don't know what you were saying. Well, how was I sounding? I mean, because you know how I sound now. I mean, honestly, it's very hard because it was not your voice. It was not your voice now. And talking and telling me how you had shotguns lined up oh my god i sound like a damn mass murderer i do not remember this so i don't know i i honestly don't know at that point because now you keep in mind when we went there it was very early on in our own personal journey so anything that we have have learned now we didn't know then right and you know i don't know if whatever was there jumped on him and made him think he was the preacher or if it was just something playing with our head which is possible i mean at that point we were weak-minded we didn't know what we were dealing now if we went back i'd probably be able to go oh no we're not gonna have this we're just gonna have a nice nice trip not today lowercase s satan (laughs) yeah not today (laughs) but it was very it was in our infancy i mean Aiden and I had not, uh, we were at that point in our relationship where we had not actually talked about our own personal experiences. We were fairly early on in our relationship. I didn't know everything about him that I do now, and he didn't know everything about me. He didn't know about Big Ma. He didn't know about the white lady. He didn't know about any of these things. And I didn't know anything that he had experienced. And I think that sharing those kind of has made us stronger in our journey as we've moved on. Because we can say, hey, you really sounded weird. And I wasn't going to let you do that. Word. I don't care if I would have had to hog tie you and put you in the trunk. The days after you were fine. I mean, it was were, just when I was there. It was literally it. It was just when we were on that property. And as we got down the road, you kind of started coming out of it. I mean, that was the first time we had ever been there. So subsequent times, it was not as now the feeling is still there. But the effect that it had on us was not. Like I said, subsequent times, it does kind of ease off a little bit. But you still know that there's a dark something. Right. Well, and even just you guys going there and having that experience the first time levels up your awareness of what's going on. So even if you were still, you know, in basically like baby witchy phase, there's a subconscious idea of can't let shit get to me this time that energetically could protect you at least a little bit obviously conscious shielding and things like that and doing things with intent will help more but it's amazing what the subconscious mind can do absolutely and i do think that at that point the second and third sub we just kept going back i wanted to figure out what it was my curiosity got the best of me but i'd also had a dream with my big ma where she taught me how to do, basically, start from yourself. You go out, outward, building and building and building, and think of it as a gold light. 
you're encasing yourself in this or your property or whatever and putting that protection there. Right. That was something that I had not learned from her when she was alive. So evidently this he knew that this place rattled me enough that she came and talked to me. Oh, so yeah. she taught me something else that I didn't know that. And it did help. I mean, I could think about it and I could physically to encase Aiden and I or Aiden and Alex and I, if, if Alex was with us, helped tremendously. Then you can actually kind of get to the root of what's there. Right. That's still my that's still my goal. I still want to figure out what's there. I think you it's know? a demon or something. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I think it's some kind of. It's just it's bad juju there. It's it's a bad place. It, it is, and I don't I don't know why. And I, I guess my historical part of myself wants to know if the history is true, or if the legend is history, not just a legend. Part of me wants has a connection because my family is Scottish. I do too. That's what ancestry says. Right. <laughs> well, and like, let's be real here. The, there's a, there's a facet of our personalities and why we all get along so well that we appreciate history and, and have a curiosity about figuring it out. But at the same time, we, we all know who know you well, Becky, that you are a cat. Therefore, your curiosity may end up killing you at some point. Yeah, but hopefully I have that nine li- those nine lives. The satisfaction brought it back. Yeah. yeah. That's my mom. That's said. right. That's right. Killed the cat, the satisfaction brought it back. You know, and I and I think about the things that, and this kind of, kind of has something to do with it and kind of doesn't. You know, everything that Big Ma has tried to share with me, both in the, the plane of existence that she's in now and she was here I wish, in a way, my mom would have been more accepting and more open of it. Right. Because I think that mom has a wealth of wisdom that she's probably learned from the very same person because she had more time with her on, on this this place that she thinks she's forgotten, but then she pulls it out of somewhere every now and then and will say things like that or will tell me, you know, why don't you go, why don't you go on out and look for that four leaf clover out in the yard or something, you know, something that's, that's very common, but then it's superstitious. Right. And I'm like, oh, you know, these little things that you'll say, you got it in you, mama. You might as well just open it. <laughs> that's fair you're 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 81 going in a minute now it's okay what My you got to lose honey way. yeah you what got, you got yeah, to you lose got nothing, else, nothing else to lose now my family's the same way they just push it my grandma told me that she saw her mom and then she just and her mom had obviously had been dead for some time and she's and grandma said that she just saw her float up in the air and disappear like, huh. my family pushes all that down. Yeah, Grandma is, she'll say things like, well, I sometimes I can still smell his uh, tobacco mm-hmm. in the house. And, you know, she I know- told me that she was laying on the bed one night and she felt my grandpa sit down beside her. And it doesn't make her afraid, but then they say they don't believe it. Right. So it's, I don't know, We that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And you know what? I will always need spooky stories. So like at some point I'll have y'all back on and we can talk about that one too. Well, thank you very much for uh, sharing your spooky story of the, the spooky church with us. And uh, I'm hoping y'all are going to stick around with me for the witchy tip. Yeah, sure. Then that spooky people is our friends giving listener story for the week. Which brings us to our witchy tip for the week. Huzzah! Yay! Yay! I'm going to pull these cards and see what it says. Oh! Uh-huh. 
Oh, hell yeah. Oh my God, you guys. This is like the most positive reading I have had in a very, very, very long time. So I have done a three card spread. And so in the recent past, there has been a very tangible material victory. (laughs) Currently, we are in a state of victory and we are prepared for any further battles going forward. Absolutely. As we just talked about the battleground and everything. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, yeah. And just the state of the world in general and the fact that we're American. And in the very near future... Is the star, which is a major arcana and the and the the card that represents big overarching hope. Yes, absolutely. This is literally absolutely. the most positive spread I've had in probably a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good thing, yeah. Yes, it's wonderful. I it's fantastic. I think it is I magnificent, and I think so too. After all that dark shit we just talked about, oh my about. god! That's great. Exactly. No, let's end it on a high note. It's great. I always end on a high note. I, I always like to because we have all of our spooky people uh, are wonderful folks, and there is a huge variance in like experience and you know tradition, training, things like that. You know, we've had a couple of very not terribly witchy people listen and learn and come around to some new ideas, which is very cool. So I like to try and usually go into like the tarot readings and stuff. But like when I tell y'all nine of pentacles means tangible victory, six of wands means victory and prepared for whatever may come. And then the star means hope. Like there's not a lot to dive into on that. That's just pretty legitimate and applicable and if you've been keeping up with world affairs to do with the united states uh on this thanksgiving 2020 i I feel like it's pretty apparent what this means yeah yeah i I think we're headed for an awesome 20 there may still be trials and tribulations to come that's that's kind of what the six of wands has given me there but like there's still hope and i I don't remember the last time i saw that card come up you know i've a very wise person told me that anything worth having is worth working towards. And while there will always be obstacles ahead of me, usually figure out a way to get around them. Right. Yeah. yeah. My grandpa always told me anything worth having is not easy. Right. Yep. I think yeah. uh, I think we have all had wonderful figures in our lives that have shared that with us. And if this is the first time any of the spooky people listening have heard it, I have found it very much to be true. You appreciate and treasure things that you work and sacrifice for more than things that are handed to you. So let us all be thankful and revel in our little victories and the continued victory and hope that apparently are on the horizon. You know, just as a just as a final little thing, I personally am thankful to have such good friends and spooky friend family and family that not only at the drop of a hat can I record a Friendsgiving episode with spooky stories, but also just generally the support and love that you all bring into my life. And that includes you, Becky and Aiden. And I thank you guys for that. And I'm very thankful for you. Who would have thought we met a year ago or a little bit more that I would find someone in you that I feel like, you know, we should have always been there. It I agree. Have always been a shared and, feels. And, and it's, and I'm, th- and I'll, obviously I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that I've met through you. Um, I'm thankful for the people that we met at the same time, you know, that you, some of them had on the show. And of course, my family, my boys, my mom, and I couldn't ask for a better group of people. Oh, yeah, I'm thankful. 
<laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> what are you thankful for, Aiden? I'm thankful for my family, my good health, and that we got a roof over our head, clothes on our back, food yeah. in our stomach. Yep. We got a car to drive. That's a lot more than a lot of people have. Hell yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, a lot of people don't have that. I'm also thankful for the support system that I have. A lot of people don't have a, a strong support system, Amen. whether they're going through something bad or good. A lot of people just don't have that. And like Becky said, who would have known when I met Frick, we were talking about IT stuff. And then I told her, I was like, it feels like I've known you forever. Now, I'm not saying you go tell some random person that guy, guys, because that's like going from zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> but as time has progressed on, I know that that's true. And Frick's told me the same thing. Yeah, fam. Should have always just made, well, I won't get into that because that one's a whole nother podcast. Oh, that's three. Like, I was going to say, that's two more episodes we got. Save the content yeah, for yeah. later. <laughs> but, you know, it, it does feel like that. When you meet good people and they are, they become a part of your life, you are so thankful for everything that they give you, the love, the, you know. And not just that, but just the friendship, the camaraderie, the goofing around. Yeah, I agree. In this life, just good folks. I'll say it again. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for y'all coming on the show. So thank you very much for joining us. And I look forward to having you guys back soon. Thank you for having us. We look forward to it, too. Yep. So spooky people, if you would like to send in a listener story for me to read, or if you're interested in perhaps joining me and reading it yourself, as I always say, please email that to thatspookylifepodcast at gmail.com. And I also have an Instagram that I post things on. If you have something that you would like to share with the world that you're thankful for, feel free to hit me up at That Spooky Life Podcast. I will make a Thanksgiving thankful post. Y'all leave what you're thankful for in the comments. But that brings us to the end of our Friendsgiving episode. And I hope that you continue this thankful, fun, victorious slide into the in-between in your daily life. And my darling friends, do not forget to keep living that spooky life, and I will see you next week. Bye!